Visionary womenpreneurs are changing the world through the impact of their businesses, businesses that impact their communities, their region, and the world. Here at Visionary Womenpreneurs Radio, we are honored to bring these women together to tell you about their vision, their impact, how they overcame the challenges that they faced, and how they made it happen for their business. Join me in welcoming all of the guests that we bring here so that we can continue to change the world. Hi, welcome to Visionary Womenpreneurs Radio. Today, I'm thrilled to be talking with Tanya Fitzpatrick, who is the co-founder of World Footprints, a socially conscious travel media platform that includes the award-winning World Footprints podcast. She's also a three-time TEDx and international speaker, an Explorers Club member, and a delegate to the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. Today, we're going to talk about World Footprints, but we're also going to spend some time talking about current events here in the United States and around the world. So join me in welcoming Tanya Fitzpatrick. Tanya, I want to welcome you to Visionary Womenpreneurs Radio today. I'm so thrilled to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Travel is um, something that I'm passionate about, and um, my preferred way to travel is on a bicycle, so that's probably different than um, a lot of the people that you know or the way that you travel, but I see travel as such a powerful way of connecting people. Um, and so I want to hear about your um, vision and mission with World Footprints. Sure. Thank you I, I, again, Donna. Um, and first, I do, I do bicycle. <laughs> I, I tried an electric bike in Ireland um, a few months ago, but I fell off of it. So, uh, but I do bike. Um, World Footprint, it was, it, it's a passion project. It was founded um, really from a, a long-term love affair I've had with travel that started at the age of five. Oh, wow. <laughs> Only I wasn't traveling back then, but I, I had an uncle who lived in London. London and he would return home every year and with my aunt and they had uh, very strong British accents and I picked one up as a five-year-old kid and became popular on the playground um, <laughs> because, because I was British. Uh, but I, um, I, I told myself back then, I promised myself at that age I was going to move to London and I did. Several years later, I went to graduate school at the London School of Economics and I tried my darndest to stay in England after my visa uh, ended. Um, but, you know, I, the travel bug bit me and it's never let go. And, um, you know, London's a hub, first of all, and so you can just travel everywhere. Um, so fast forward with the creation of World Footprints, I, when I came back from London, I went to law school. I'm a lawyer. 
and I moved from uh, my home state of Michigan to the DC area uh, in, with the hope of joining the Foreign Service so I could go back overseas. And that didn't happen, um, but I had some incredible appointments um, with the, the White House and as a contractor at Homeland Security. And, but I found that I was not happy in the legal profession. And um, my husband life coached me following some prompts from a life coach we met whilst traveling through San Francisco. And you know, we discovered that travel is a passion. And within a month, we had created a travel agency. And we started doing a lot of television here in Washington, DC that gained the attention of a radio show and we started uh, what is now World Footprints. The agency is gone. Um, okay. I, I, prefer to, I prefer the media side. Of, and, um, and we founded, you know, World Footprints, um, which at the time, you know, we wanted with the travel agency, I'll, I'll just back up with the travel agency, we wanted to offer, offer travel and tours that provided some meaning, some meaning and purpose. Uh, for people. And um, so we've translated and transferred that into World Footprints, which was founded on the philosophy of Ubuntu. And Ubuntu is a Zulu word which translates, I am because we are. And that speaks to our humanity, that speaks to the community and, and, and connection. And connection is what we do through the stories we share on world footprints through the podcast and the articles and photography and video that basically incorporates everything we do and um you know and, it, and, it, and it's again a passion and even though i went a different route you know the legal legal field um, yeah. political nonprofit world um when you when you have a passion they, it follows you and it never yeah. lets go. And so, um, and I've been actually able to incorporate everything that I've done up to this point, even the, the law, I've been able to incorporate a lot of that into what we do with World Footprints because we focus on things also, um, you know, from conservation and preservation to human rights and there are uh, human rights laws that I can talk to because of my training um, and human trafficking is actually one of those things that uh, I understand why it's, it's, it's uh, almost cyclical and, and very difficult to prosecute. Um, so, you know, it's uh, my law, my law school training wasn't, was, hasn't gone to waste. And, and I, I hope to God it never does because I still owe student loans. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so one of the things that I read was that your um, World Footprints is a socially conscious travel media platform. Mm -hmm. So talk about what that means, socially conscious travel media. Um, yeah. Uh, so... The, 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 some of the things that we, I mentioned that we uh, raise awareness about conservation, uh, preservation, human rights, um, anti-poaching, uh, 
uh, you know, there, those are things that as travelers, um, we can do something about in order to, you know, protect uh, natural and um, uh, natural uh, resources and treasures and uh, protect wildlife from extinction, um, uh, you know, preserve our, our oceans um, and exercise uh, respect and, and compassion for other people and, and you know, and and maintain their human rights as well. So, you know, the socially conscious um, platform is is just awareness of social um, social how we can be socially um, conscientious about the things that we do. Yeah, I guess when I think of socially conscious travel. Like I think I about going into a community um, in a way where I'm respectful of that community mm -hmm. and um, not leaving an impact <laughs> behind me because mm -hmm. I was there. Um, I see yeah. travel as a, a bridge builder between communities and people right. and, right. and ways to learn about other cultures but also to connect with people in a real way mm -hmm. but I think that there's also travel that doesn't do that as well perhaps yeah, um, you know yeah uh, sometimes you know people may just want to go and relax without uh, knowing um, the people who are serving them. And I, I really think they're, they're doing a disservice. Um, other times people, you know, will go to a country and only eat at McDonald's. Uh, I, studied, I studied in a legal program in China with somebody who ate every single day at McDonald's and cut yep. fried chicken. And I don't understand <laughs> that. Um, but, you know, and, 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 a, and I feel like you know, when they, when people do that, they miss out on an opportunity um, to really connect to the culture. And, and certainly I think it's, it's not respectful to um, turn down food that's prepared for you um, yeah. as it was for us in China and, um, and, and eat at McDonald's and Kentucky fried chicken um, every single day. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think, also with, with travel, I mean, the beautiful thing about travel is that when we travel as Americans, we put a different face on our country. And um, I think it's very helpful that we, we do that. Yeah. Um, and anybody who travels uh, at, is, is essentially an ambassador for their, for their own country. And I think um, that helps uh, break down myths and um, preconceptions that others have about uh, other cultures, and you know, and I, I think that's a wonderful thing about human um, about travel is just the connection of humanity and the awareness that we do share a common humanity, and and you know, we see that each and every not only when we travel, but we see that each and every day, um, and I yeah, I would. You know, think about, I, and I would challenge you, Donna, I, you know, next time you um, come across somebody who looks very different from you, 
say hello and begin a conversation. And I guarantee yep. you within five minutes, you'll find commonalities. You'll find. Yep. Yeah. I, I, my kids would tell you that I always am saying hello to strangers and people and they're like, mom, you're talking to strangers. They don't say that anymore, but when they were little, but <laughs> hello is, you know, it opens that door and it starts that conversation yeah. and it breaks down um, kind of the stranger barrier that you have, um, yeah. you know, and so, yeah, I encourage people to say hello <laughs> and start there. Yeah, and then smile, you know, yeah. smile is, a, is, is, smiles are contagious and, you know, that's a good contagion that, that, yep. you know, um, you know, I'll take a smile over anything else. Yep, definitely. I know that right now in our country, well, and around the world, we're experiencing protests and um, a call for justice, racial justice. And, and I know that your company put out a statement on your website and so I wanted to spend a little bit of time acknowledging that and talking about um, why that was important for, for you and how, yeah, so why it was important for you to put out a statement. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I really felt a need to do something um, and say something uh, during this time uh, because People, people need positive messages. They also need to know they're, they're heard and supported. And, and certainly as a person of color, um, what's happening right now with following the, the death of Mr. Um, Floyd resonates with me on a number of levels. But I agonized over what message to share. You know, we're yep. a socially conscious travel media platform, and I thought, what on earth can I, you know, what can I offer? What can we offer? And um, on Monday, you know, after um, after the, the really um, violent day and night on Monday, um, I woke up Tuesday, and I, I, was, I was so deflated. And I'm, as I'm laying in bed, um, I had this epiphany, you know, still wondering what on earth can, can we share? Yeah. And the epiphany came when um, I realized, it, because I, I heard a, a story about a reporter who was approached by um, a protester, and this protester just went up to him and he said, I'm human. And the reporter was, was really puzzled and he you know, said, excuse me? And the man said, I'm human. I'm not black. I'm not white. I'm human. Yeah. And I got it. And what I got was that that has been our message from day one. You know, the, the, the common humanity that we share. We are all human. And I sat down at my keyboard and I just started writing <laughs> something which started to be an article, but it ended up being a five-page um, op-ed. <laughs> <laughs> My heart was just pouring out, you know, through my fingers. And my husband, who I do Worlds with Prince with, uh, I gave, you know, my article, the article to him, and I was like, and I said, honey, you know, what are your thoughts? Add your thoughts. And so, um, it's it's a joint effort. What uh, what appears on our website, and 
the article is titled World Footprint Stands uh, with Black Lives Matter. Yep. And what um, really means a lot to me uh, with this article is it's not a political um, message. It's a heartfelt message. Um, you know, it's, a, it's uh, an article that talks about the common humanity we share and all of the, the beautiful examples of humanity we've seen in the, the midst of all of this chaos uh, we, we see, you know, from uh, police brutality um, and people coming to the aid of protesters yeah. who are being brutalized by the police to even, the, you know, members of, the, of law enforcement taking a knee and kneeling down with protesters. I mean, there's, there's some beautiful examples, and I, I, I did want people to, to lose uh, sight of those things um, because, you know, I believe most people are beautiful and very decent, and I don't want to lose sight of that, and I, I, I'm, I'm grateful that this hasn't become a black-white brown yellow issue um you right. know it's not a color-based issue although um african americans you know the disparity uh of treatment in law enforcement and even with the covid 19 virus it's you know it's evident um but other people are feeling the pain and yeah. donna i was on a call yesterday with fellow travel writers i'm on a diversity uh committee for a, um, a travel writing um, organization. And the organizer or the chair of our committee asked to take a moment because, um, and she's, she's a non-black person and her grief and her sadness over what's happening is palatable. And she spent the first five minutes um, in silence with all of us crying and mm -hmm. You know, and so when I, I say it's not a color issue per se, it's it's a human issue, and as humans, we are all dealing with with this the atrocities and 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 the grief and the loss of you know this uh, Mr. Floyd and and others before him. You know, we can't forget right even, too many. You know, yeah, yeah. Even the last few weeks, you know, um, Armand Arbery, uh, Deanna Taylor, and, you know, the three of that since March. Yep. And I think that um, what seems different right now is that people are trying to really listen. Some of, some of us <laughs> are trying to really listen and make statements in the most respectful way that we can and um, be in support and be allies and at the same time be willing to keep learning mm -hmm. and listening and um, and that feels to me different that that there's a more uh, a larger response this to, to this in this situation right now um, and it's calling all of us out to stand up and um, work for change in some way yeah and I, I'm happy to see that um, 
it, one of the um, things I mentioned in, in this article that uh, my book editor actually said really resonated with her is um, a statement that we cannot be the change we want to see in, when we're silent. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and, and, and be the change you want to see in this world is one of my favorite quotes. Right. From Gandhi. And, um, and, and she just loved the, the spin that I put on it. And again, I didn't think about what I was writing. I just started writing and that's what came up. But, it, but it's true. Um, we, cannot, we cannot foster change when we're sitting on our hands um, in silence and you know, not, not speaking to these atrocities. Now, a lot of, we can't go out I mean, it's difficult um, to go out and, and protest in the, in the midst of COVID-19. That is still ve uh, very, very real. And, right. um, you know, but for that, I, I'd be out there and I still may actually head out there just, you know, on a, on a uh, day that's not as hot as it has been this, this week. Um, you know, and I want to, I want to join this cause, um, but for now, um, all I can do right now is um, talk to, you know, beautiful people like yourself um, to write, you know, articles um, and, uh, and, 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 and just to, to offer, you know, virtual hugs um, because we're all feeling this pain right now. Yeah. Well, I think that um, we, like there's many things that people can be doing even if they're not out protesting mm -hmm. and um, that it's important for those things to be happening too, whether it's signing a petition or joining an organization or participating in um, town halls or different events that are happening, you know, online, listening to podcasts, reading articles, all of those things continue to help move this forward and um and i think more actions become apparent as we keep going forward and um and then you know then you can move into that next action you know but they're not all out there yet <laughs> you know so we're we're on you know we're still on a journey and um and we're still working this well, on solutions yeah, and, and you know we don't know what's going to happen in um, with the legal cases against uh, the four officers, um, yep. and so if we see a repeat of Ferguson, um, you know, God, you know, riots and and protests and what have you um, will continue again amid COVID nineteen. Um, yeah, we just don't know what's what's coming our way. And, um, you know, and the, the most thing we can do is just continue moving forward and um, in, in support and love and grace. And I know there's, you know, there's several organizations like the NAACP, Defense Fund, um, uh, gosh, there's, mm, I lost, uh, lost uh, my thought, but there's several organizations that um, are offering support, Black Lives Matter, of course, yeah. um, you know, that uh, that people, if they're inclined to, can um, contribute to and, and support in the ways that they need. Um, yep. Wow. Definitely. One of the wonderful stories I heard of hospitality 
um, during this was a man that um, I think it was in Washington that mm -hmm. um, was outside of his house as protesters were coming down his street and being blocked on both ends of the street by police. And he yeah. said, at first, a protester said, can I sit on your step with you? And he said, yes. And he said, then someone else asked if they could charge their phone. And he said, yes. And then when the police really started pushing, he just opened his door and said he had 70 people that stayed the night in his house. And yeah. <laughs> I was just like, um, such hospitality and humanity mm -hmm. to open your house in a pandemic, um, but to welcome strangers um, into your home. And, you know, yeah. it, it just sounded like an experience that every single person in that, that was there is gonna remember. And when we have those interactions, they change people's perceptions mm -hmm. of, strangers and you know neighbors and you know that we're going to just open our door like yes come in you're welcome here yeah i thought i thought it was such a beautiful uh gesture and you know really to have a, a home um i think he had several floors thankfully in his house but to the house 70 80 people <laughs> strangers and um you know i don't know if we could do that in our small flat here, here in the DC area, um, but we would, we would in yeah. a heartbeat. And I think that's, you know, that again speaks to the, the beautiful um, nature and in, in, in just beautiful humanity um, and why, you know, it supports our, our belief that we do share a common humanity, you know, the, the, the commonality, those, those people um, and, you know, all strangers, I mean, these weren't 70 people who knew each other. They were all right. strangers, you know, fighting and standing up for what is right. And, um, you know, and that brought them together. You know, that was, yep. was a, a connection, a connecting moment uh, that they shared too. Well, I think we've been taught to be scared of strangers. And, and I know um, we host strangers in our house that are touring bicyclists and we're part of a network that uh, facilitates that and when we started my daughters were probably seven and ten something like that mm -hmm. and they were scared of strangers at that time and um and the first time we hosted someone other parents at school said you're letting a stranger stay at your house and and then i was scared i was like oh yeah maybe i shouldn't be letting a stranger into my house and i biked across the country so as soon as the gentleman arrived at the house on his bike with all his gear i was like oh yeah this is fine he's on a bicycle <laughs> it's fine <laughs> but it's over the last 10 years, I think, or 12 years, we've hosted people from all over the world that, mm -hmm. and we've, um, you know, we had young Korean men that, um, from South Korea that brought food from Korea and cooked dinner for us. And, you know, just wonderful 
experiences with people um, that were on their bicycles traveling and trusting, you know, that the world was going to embrace them. And in general, that's the experience. And I think that um, that story of the man welcoming people into his house just reminded me of that in terms of, and, it, and here I am talking to you about travel and I think that that's part of the power of hospitality and travel is that we start building relationships with people that maybe were before that they were them over there. Yeah. And now they're in our house, you know, now we're in, we're sharing bread or tea or what, and we're not us and them We're, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying it exactly right, but we're, yeah, no. I, we're, I get it. Yeah. we're together. And that story just reminded me of like, that's what we've experienced having strangers in our house is right. wonderful conversations with people we didn't know yeah, minutes well, before. Well, think about, you know, again, with, with when you travel, uh, especially if you go to a country you're, you're not familiar with, um, perhaps, you know, there are language barriers, um, and you, so you may have a preconception about, the, you know, respective culture or country, and when you travel, that, um, that shifts, you know, that, that shifts your preconceptions, any, any preconceptions you may have, yep. um, and so think about all of the the different people who ran into this man's house, um, and I know he is a uh, comes from a first generation Indian American family, so you know his parents are originally from India, yep. and maybe many of those people had a thought of um, the Indian culture and how people are there, and by him opening his door, you know he he, he shifted those uh, yep. any preconceptions that because they saw they saw another face I mean that's happened with me when I've traveled um, it's happened with my my husband and one of the favorite the stories that I love to share is when uh, we were in Sochi covering the Olympic Games we, we do that um, uh -huh. every two years we won't be in Japan this year but anyways um, but when we were in Sochi, that was his first time in Russia, and I had actually lived for a summer in St. Petersburg, and so I was familiar with the culture and had some language skills, but he had never been, and so he's a little bit nervous, yeah. and was very nervous also because that was at, when we went, that was at the time, uh, the height of the Russia-Ukraine uh, Russia conflict back in 2014. And so there, you know, the media was talking about uh, terrorism attempts and what have you, the potential for terrorism. So he, he was a little bit nervous. Um, but when we got there, his, any preconceptions he had about Russian people, um, you know, about the country, it, it shifted because Russian people flocked after him wherever we were, even outside of the, uh, the secured Olympic uh, bubble, I call it, yep. and uh, they wanted to take a picture with him, and I, and I think, you know, many of them thought he was a celebrity, because 
uh, in Sochi, there's, you know, certainly not a lot of people of color. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we also, you know, you also experienced the same thing in uh, Moscow when we stayed. And um, and he, he actually really enjoyed Russia. And I was really happy because I, I, I love that country. Um, we also, you know, we interviewed on our podcast a, an American man um, who goes back and forth between the U.S. and Iran. And I, I asked him, you know, how, how does it work to travel to Iran? Because I, I want to go. Yeah. Um, and he said, you know, Iranian people and and just like I think many American people, but Iranian people will separate, they can separate people from politics. Yeah. So, and I think that that is an incredibly invaluable uh, to do. Yep. That's what I know. I read a book about a woman that had motorcycled through Iran and her experiences as a woman alone mm -hmm. in Iran on a motorcycle. And um, she just had wonderful stories about those experiences and uh, totally different than my preconceived notion of what it would be like in Iran. And, you know, from stereotypes or whatever. So I think that that's part of what travel does is that it starts breaking those things down and, mm -hmm. you know, and we're yeah. all, we all start seeing like we're, you know, we drink tea the same way. We're all hungry. Yeah. My Angelo said it best on our show and, and I, I cannot impersonate her voice, but it, essentially she said, you know, we all bleed the same color blood. We all yes. get cold. We all get hungry. You know, and and it and she's spot on. I mean, we we do. Uh, we all yep. want love. We uh, all want to see our children have uh, a better life than than we did. And uh, you know, we we all get hungry, and you know, we we have the same emotions. The same things affect uh, affect us. So, yeah, again, our common humanity. <laughs> yep. So. I want people to know that they can find your op-ed at worldfootprints.com and, yes. and I'll have the link in the show notes. Um, what else do they find when they go to your website? Oh, lots of travel stories. Um, we, we're a multimedia site and so we have our podcast um, and our, our library podcast, you know, include interviews with, Again, Maya Angelou, who I just mentioned, uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., you know, a lot of distinguished voices who uh, share our value for this world and the resources and, and, and cultures. Um, nice. There's wonderful articles from uh, many of our writers from across uh, around the world and, um, you know, ranging from traveling responsibly with your children or teaching your children responsible travel um, to you know, finding ethical uh, animal tourism opportunities. 
um, and you know, distinguishing between ethical and unethical animal uh, tourism experiences. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to travel vicariously through the videos we do and uh, the articles um, and, uh, and uh, photography and uh, podcast. Um, most recently, we started a series uh, in the, the uh, with the intention of, you know, again, connecting us and showing how we're all connected. We started a video series interviewing uh, regular people and correspondents around the world about their COVID-19 experiences. And I think one of, uh, golly, I have a lot of favorites, but um, one that really stands out to me is an interview we did with a, a young lady in Afghanistan. And um, she covers, uh, she's a bureau chief for Afghanistan and Pakistan. And so we talked about what's going on in those countries, how people are coping, how the communities are coming together. Um, we've interviewed artists, uh, photographers. Um, one in particular does a lot of work with plastic. Um, he creates these incredibly beautiful images using the most destructive uh, product in, in this world, I think, plastic. Yep. And by doing that interview, I learned that um, there was a study done by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation that said by 2020, there will be more plastic in our oceans than there will be fish. Oh. And that's alarming to me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so they'll find, uh, people will find those types of stories on uh, worldfootprints.com. And footprints is plural. Um, okay. Yep. <laughs> and we'll have the link in the show notes below. But it's a great time to visit your site to, while we're still in the pandemic, to start envisioning travel in the future and finding some great ideas for potential travel and then also to be inspired traveling vicariously <laughs> while we're all still at home. So yeah, yeah, and we we have some resources in our newsletter every month. I send out a newsletter with resources where people can enjoy um, virtual travel experiences because we can't travel right now. And frankly, when the restrictions are lifted, um, you know, it's not going to look the same. We won't travel yeah. like we have traveled uh, in past. And when we have to wait for countries to even open their borders to fit uh, foreign visitors too. So right. travel's not going to, you know, it's, it's not going to be the same. Um, and so there's other ways, you know, people can uh, satisfy their wanderlust and hopefully they'll find them on world footprints. <laughs> Definitely. Well, and we all have probably things within our own neighborhoods that we haven't explored. Sometimes it's the close by things that like, I didn't know that national park was right there. <laughs> right. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So. They, there's some prize, surprising things, even in Washington, DC, where we are. Um, you know, I happened to spot a, a historical marker on a, a nondescript building and, and, um, and, and I thought, wow. And it's, you know, and it's in kind of a gritty area. Area. Um, I used to work in that area, and and it's it's attached to a, a Chinese restaurant. Um, <laughs> but, yep. but I spotted the marker, and um, you know, but yeah, there's I mean, there's so many there's so many things. It, my husband and I have uh, discovered a nature center 
um, just up the road from us. And that's where we go walking when we want to go out and get some, uh, some exercise and, um, and just hear the birds yeah. <laughs> and smell the fresh air. Definitely. Um, yeah, I had no idea it was there. Definitely. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and talking kind of, we've talked all over the world, I feel like, and talked about what's happening right in this country right now and the importance for people to be involved and listen, learn more. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Donna. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your invitation. Definitely. So be sure to visit worldfootprints.com and learn more about um, Tanya and her husband's site and the resources that they have available for you there. Thanks for joining me today at Visionary Women Printers Radio. I hope it was helpful to you in your journey as a Visionary Womanpreneur. And I hope that you'll join our community on Facebook, Visionary Womanpreneurs, and join the conversation. I look forward to seeing you on our next show. Make it a great day.